Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of The Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and today my friend Melissa Zaldivar joins us, and we have a really great conversation about something that doesn't feel really great, but it is something that is here in all of our lives, and that is loss. More specifically, we talk about death in this episode, and Melissa wrote a book. It comes out in about a month, and I had the joy of reading it early and I read it over the weekend before I chatted with her. And in this book, Melissa so brilliantly weaves in three stories, her own journey of walking through the loss of her friend, Jill, part of her Jill story is in here. And then Louisa May Alcott, the writer of Little Women, the author, she weaves that story in there as well. And it is just a really great read. But more importantly, today, we have a really great conversation about what it means to actually walk through loss. We talked today about how do we journey through friendships uh, who have experienced loss? How do we be the friend that shows up in a time of need? We talk about what it means to look around at our lives and really cherish and devour the normal, ordinary things. So many times we want the big, flashy, the cinematic life. And we spent time today talking about how the most important things are sometimes the most mundane, normal things. Although the subject is difficult in this conversation, and although it can feel a little bit depressed and maybe anxiety ridden, I want you to know that we spent also time talking about the hope that we have, that as believers, that death is not the end of our story. And so we have a hope that can't be shaken, the hope that cannot be put to shame. And we talk about that today as well. So although the conversation can feel hard, it is actually really encouraging. And I want to let you know, if you're someone who is feeling as though life just keeps throwing things at you, uh, we've all been there. Um, I've had seasons where I just feel like I can't take another thing, God. If you feel that way, I want to encourage you to get through this show and get to the end because Melissa has a really great encouraging word for you. You guys, before we get to the conversation with Melissa and I, I just want to say thank you to all of you guys who have left ratings and reviews for the show. You know, we ask you for these ratings and reviews. It's not so that we can sit around and feel better about ourselves. We do love reading the nice things that you say. But really, these ratings and reviews that you leave, they help other people find the show. And so if you've been blessed by any of my guests on the happy hour, if there's any conversations that you think, wow, that really was just for me today. You might have other friends that need to know about this. And so you could always just text them and send them the link to the show. But if you want to take the extra mile, if you want to take the extra minute in your day to go over there and do that, we would greatly appreciate it. We recently got a five-star review uh, and they said, wonderful podcast. I love Jamie and her team. She does a great job at bringing in voices that may not have the biggest platforms so that they can be heard. I love her authenticity and can't wait to listen to more. Thank you so much for that review. And I really take all of those kind words to heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We do think about you as a listener when we create every single show. 
And so even you'll hear me reference that in today's show. I'll say a couple times, I'm thinking of the listener who might, and I am, I'm thinking of you guys who might be going through something really hard and Melissa has a good word for you. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. We really, really appreciate every single listen that you give us and the show today you're going to love. And I must say we have some phenomenal shows scheduled for you coming up for the rest of the year. Would you like a little sneak peek? I'm going to give you one. Uh, Max Lucado, Christy Malzahn, whose husband is a coach uh, in the college football level, Kay Warren, Amy Hannon, Shannon Martin, Ginny and David Mars, Vivian Mabuni, Allison Cook, Lisa Turkers. I just told you we have some really great people coming on the show. And although I haven't interviewed all of them yet, and so I can't tell you how awesome the shows are, I can almost guarantee that they're going to be awesome because all these people uh, love God and have beautiful things to say about the work he's doing in their lives. And they want to help you with that as well. So grateful for all of your listens and we are super excited about the shows that we're finishing out 2022 with you and the happy hour all right you guys enough conversation here's my conversation with melissa zaldivar Melissa, welcome back to the happy hour. Thanks. It's good to be back. I was like, I think I was on it like eight months ago. I said to someone, it was like two years ago. It actually, if we want to be legit, it was in September of 2020. Yeah. Two years ago. That's exactly right. And so I just, it made me realize like, where has time gone? Because I could have sworn it was like eight months ago. What's the craziest thing that's happened to you in the last two years? Since you you came on the happy hour. I came on the happy hour. Some of the stuff we talked about turned into a book. Which is fun. So I maybe that's why time doesn't make sense right now because I've just been in my attic writing a book and figuring all that out. You've been in your attic writing a book. Okay, so mm-hmm. you tell everyone where you live. I live in Massachusetts, um, just north of Boston on the coast, which is fun. Uh, and so it's a little Gilmore Girlsy, I like to say, though I know you have not seen it. Donna Still Gilmore to this day, I have not seen it. Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, so I live up there, and it's just like small town, super fun. There's a lot going on, and yet nothing is really going on. You that know, sounds dreamy. Everyone's actually. real upset because the cell phone tower hasn't gotten power yet. Uh-oh. That's been the big controversy: is when are they just going to plug that sucker in? <laughs> and it's literally <laughs> been like nine months of people posting on the Facebook page every time a call is dropped because they're like, guys, another call was dropped today when I was talking to my friend. When are we getting the cell tower? Let me tell you where I don't hang out, Melissa. Any Facebook page where people are putting <laughs> comments about something that happened. That made their day go bad. I just, that's not where I'm going to be. Though a lot of lost dogs, a lot of like, hey, has anyone seen this? You know, and then like 20 minutes, oh, we found him. He's in the backyard. But everybody chimed in. Now, you told me that New England is how many states? It's six states. So they are Massachusetts. Obviously, we start with the best. (laughs) Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. So it's kind of that. It's the way I like to describe it. It's like the Midwest, right? Is this chunk of states or the southwest Mm -hmm. like it is the pacific northwest new england is is a region it is not its own state they are different states but those are the six that comprise it new york for the record is not new england is it just new york it's just new york okay it's just new york but people will be like oh i haven't been to new england no wait i went to new york city and i'm always like nope Listen, you're educating the best of us right now uh, Mm -hmm. about this but i was going to tell you that i'd never been to new england but that's a lie (gasps) So when Aaron and I got married, we actually honeymooned in New Hampshire. Ooh, that's fun. Like by the coast or like in the mountains? Okay, it was a long time ago, Melissa. I don't remember. (laughs) And we had just gotten married and we had 
we were just concerned with other things. I was like, you weren't <laughs> thinking about the outside. We were just considering we were just what in was the indoors. Room. Yeah. Uh, no, we flew into Boston. Uh, we were babies, so uh, mm-hmm. 23, 22. I think Aaron could barely rent a car. Yep. And then we drove up to New Hampshire. I don't even remember the city. That's great. We stayed in this cute little inn, and the other day I was cleaning out our laundry room, and I found the little um, checkout thing, Aww. and I tucked it away in a safe place because we might go back there one day. Oh, that would but, be like a fun anniversary trip. But the thing that Aaron and I said is like, what? What if it's like really really like crappy oh, yeah. but at the time we were like this is the nicest place we've ever oh, stayed yeah. but now we're you know 21 years we're adults mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you're 22 things are nice that aren't nice when you're 44 that's, that's very just the, true that's the truth statement so i have been up there and it was lovely oh i love it and it's good memories it's very good times. memories it's not Even like you i don't remember the city we, we were in <laughs> one day she'll find out she'll let me know and it'll be great. One day I'll find out. Well, I'm really glad that you're back. And this time um, you're here in Austin. Mm-hmm. You brought us chocolate chip cookies straight from your oven because you yeah. told us that chocolate chips were founded, started. Chocolate chip cookies were like the recipe was invented in Massachusetts. I mean, that's claim to fame. It really, And it's a lot about it, it really makes sense for my personality. <laughs> I feel like I love a good just chocolate chip like Plain. if I get a burger, Don't, do you put oatmeal I, in those chocolate chip cookies? Sometimes, but not these. Okay, not these. These okay, are just good. classic. But you know, I'm the same way. If I go to a restaurant and they have a burger, I always just tried their basic burger before anything crazy. Oh, because I just need a baseline. I need a good baseline. You know, I went to the Texas game this weekend, and mm. we got in, and we got burgers, and I thought that my burger would come with something on it. Yeah. But it was just a patty and two pieces of bread, and I felt like what a five-year-old. What were they expecting you to do with that? I wanted some lettuce and pickles yeah. and man, all the things, but anyhow, thank you for the mm. chocolate chip cookies. Of course. As we interview, Lindsay and Ashley are eating them, and I can see them eating them, and so Teasing you. all I want is some chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> but thank you for your gift. Um, I told you uh, this weekend I texted you because mm-hmm. we have each other's phone numbers. Yep. And I told you I was reading your book. And uh, what people can't see is that like, your publisher... It looks like it's in a binder right here. Your publisher like did, quote unquote book. <laughs> did send me a binder <laughs> full of your book. Um, but I read it this weekend. And I want you to know that I 100% read every book of anyone I ever interview. That is a mm-hmm. true statement. Uh, I read almost every word of this book. Wow. Because I loved it so much. Thanks. It felt like the book I didn't know I needed. Mm. It felt like the book that maybe we all need coming out of 2020. Um, And it felt like you took your heart and just poured it out onto these pages. Yeah, I spent about 30 minutes crying about it last night. So like it, we are far removed from when I turned in the manuscript. You know, we're nine months out from having turned it in and I still... I don't know how the next eight weeks are going to go. Everyone pray for me because <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it is kind of my heart out there. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, like people are just going to read it. And it's it's a different level of vulnerability with this story than the first book. And so I am I am bracing myself. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. 
If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Let's just cut to the chase here. You wrote a book about death. Yeah, it's a real upper. (laughs) It's a real upper. Okay, we're both Enneagram Sixes, so I was about to say something, but I think you'll be able to relate to me. I actually really love conversations like this. Yeah. Because to me, it's like, let's just cut all the crap out of life. And let's just cut to the chase, is that this is a reality Mm -hmm. that we're all having to live with. Not necessarily our own death, but grieving through the loss of those that we love. Yeah. Um, And that's the book that you, you came from. And this came from your life. You mentioned a little bit, we talked about this a little bit the last time you were on, but I want you to give us a little bit more conversation. You tell two, sto- I'm going to say you tell three stories in this book. Uh, you tell Jill's story, mm-hmm. you tell Louisa's story, mm-hmm. and you tell your own story. Yeah. And you weave them together. So can you give us a little bit of background on Jill? Yeah. So Jill was a friend of mine in college. Uh, we met when we were freshmen. We were baby freshmen. You know, you got the ice cream social, you got the orientation games, all those sorts of things. And so she and I met. Um, we didn't become friends until like our second or third year of school, uh, but I'd see her around and things like that. And then uh, ended up becoming close friends, was in her wedding. Uh, and then in, I guess at the new year in 2019, she got very sick. Uh, and ended up dying before the year was over. And so it was this journey of 
uh, it was kind of a, a fast and furious friendship, right? It was like there's all this fierceness and fun and all of these different things that made... It's like a college friendship, which is really fun because now when I remember her, she's perpetually in her 20s, right? And and she'll never be older than 28. And so it's this feeling of like, man, that was really fun, um, but also really deeply hard and, and hurtful the way that death hurts, right? And so, um, so Jill's story is one of looking to God's faithfulness all the way to the end. Um, and just this morning I was talking to some of her loved ones about it and it was like, man, she was really fun. I wish that she was here in the studio. I thought that's why I was like crying yesterday because I was like, oh, it'd be so much more fun if I could tell you these stories with her. Mm-hmm. And it feels there's definitely a, a gap now that she's not here. You write in your book, you say we as Christians are people of the resurrection. We have this incredible hope beyond the grave and yet we somehow are still afraid of the grave. Mm-hmm. Talk about what, how you see people who are followers of Jesus who like you say we have this incredible hope that death is not the end that's mm-hmm. like foundation of our faith right yeah. but yet we do fear it I want to talk to me about how you see people doing that and I want to hear from you how you would answer this differently now versus previous to 2019 and walking through what you've walked through with Jill yeah I mean I think we have this idea of what death is we really like control that's the first thing I think of what you I, I do. You too? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. Okay. Um, hmm. So, yes, uh, I I think that we like control. So we like to control a narrative, a situation, and death is just its own thing. It is out of our control. There's nothing you can do to stop it. There's this beautiful line, actually, in Little Women, which we'll get to, where um, Beth in the 2019 film says, you know, it's like the tide. It cannot be stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel that way sometimes where death just reminds us how out of control we are. Um, And so when it comes to thinking through death now, I I notice there is a little bit of a slowness and a carefulness. Um, I have not learned all the lessons of death. In fact, yesterday when I was flying here, I got on an earlier flight than I was supposed to be on. This is a crazy story. I got on an earlier flight. I arrived at the airport like in a record amount of time because it was a holiday. And so I was like, oh, I got like an hour and a half to kill. And then there was a flight leaving like at 8 a.m. instead of 9 a.m. And so I went and saw if I could um, get on it because I had a layover and that would give me more time, you know, planning. And so they put me on the 8 o'clock flight instead of the 9. And I sat down next to this woman and she and I start talking and it comes out in the conversation that she has cancer, same kind of cancer Jill had. She is about to start her second round of treatment for it. And so she was on a trip visiting her family and seeing everyone while she still had some energy. And then she was going. And I just remember thinking, this is too strange. And also so specifically the same story in terms of like where we were at. And I just kept thinking, this is Jill. Like, it reminds me of her. But we also don't know how this woman's story is going to end. Right. We don't know, um, you know, what the end will be. And so I think that. You know, I went into that conversation with that woman and I started talking to her. And one of the first things I said, Jamie, was I asked her how old she was and she told me. And I was like, well, you know, like the good news is the older you are, the better you're able to deal specifically with ovarian cancer treatment and blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling her this to kind of be reassuring. And she looks at me and she was like, yeah, I don't really try to think about that very much. And immediately I was like, dang it. (laughs) Like the first thing I even write in the book, like don't give people statistics. And the first thing out of my mouth. And so I think I'm just learning that it's always going to be messy it's always going to be uncomfortable at times Mm -hmm. but the more we're willing to go into it with that expectation 
the more there's a sense where we can actually have honest conversations about it because we're not just trying to control outcomes by saying certain things. Mm. You know, you talk in here and you just did it again so beautifully. As you you, you kind of set up the stage like, I'm going to go first and I'm going to be willing to talk mm. about this. And I want to bring up the whole little woman uh, connection here. And you, you say in here that... Um, Louisa went first and Mm -hmm. so she was willing to say stuff so I want you to talk a little bit about the connection to this author and her (laughs) sisters and the book because I also I want you to talk about it but I need a confession first yeah 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 I've not read the book that's fine I want to read the book so badly right now (laughs) I literally we'll do book club (laughs) I'll I'll do a book club that'd be so fun that would be so fun we should read Little Women oh my gosh let's do a Little Women book club All right, you heard it here first folks I'm 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 dead serious. I know you're dead serious. And then we finish with a tour up to New England. Oh my gosh. And then I'll take you <laughs> in. Lindsay's like, yes. It's like, yes. She's stopping to eat her chocolate chip cookie to say, yes, I'm in. Oh, uh, 100%. Make sure her and Ashley don't eat all my cookies. <laughs> That's right. Don't get too excited, guys. Listen, I read this and I was telling Lindsay today earlier, I was like, I think I've seen a movie. I feel really bad right now that I'm admitting about that how little knowledge bad. I have about these sweet sisters. And I think I've seen the most recent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that you used her story mm. was brilliant, first of all. So I want to talk a little bit about why did you bring that into this story? Mm-hmm. And how did she go first? And what did that look like for her? Oh, goodness. So Louisa May Alcott, for those of you who are in the same boat, there are plenty of people in the same boat. I recognize I live in a weird part of America where there's all this obscure history and this is part of it. And so some people might not be aware. So first of all, don't worry. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, Louisa May Alcott was a part of the Alcott family. Her father was a philosopher. Her mother uh, was a stay-at-home mom. Um, she, they called her Marmy, which is just a fun name for mom, right? So, and uh, yeah. So Fun fact. Fun my fact. brother and his wife, their kids call her mom Marmy. I love it. And it's so cute. It's so sweet. It's just like, yeah, it's like a term, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone calls their moms different things. So Louisa May Alcott is living during the Civil War. She grew up in Concord, Massachusetts, more or less. They actually moved 28 times prior to moving into Orchard House, where she lived and where she wrote Little Women. Um, She had three sisters. So you have Anna, who's the oldest. You have Louisa, who's the second and sort of the middle child in some ways. I feel like I resonate with her. Then you have Beth um, or Elizabeth or Lizzie, depending on what they're writing about, or Betty, which is one of my favorite nicknames for her. And then the youngest is May. You rearrange that and you get Amy, who is uh, the artist in the family in in the story of Little Women. So you have- Wait, Amy's not a sister. Amy is not, her name in real life was May, but in Little Women, she's Amy. Oh. So they all have different names. So Beth is Beth. Uh-huh. Uh, Amy is May. Louisa is Joe in Got Little it. Women. And then Anna turns into Meg. So they have oh, different that was names. A lot. Okay, I, I know. It. Luckily, at the very beginning of my book, I like outline it because I'm like, there are real people and then there are the book people. Yeah. So Louisa has this crazy idea to write a story about her family. Actually, she didn't have it, her publisher did. Girls are learning how to write in America, and she's like, how can I help? And so she wrote this story about her sisters. She said she thought it was pretty uninteresting. And then all of a sudden, it exploded into everyone gets this. Everyone has siblings or people that this reminds them of. And so Louisa wrote a book called Little Women about her family. It's one of the most well-loved pieces in American literature. 
it's been in print for over 150 years. It's been translated into over 50 different languages. And so I work at Orchard House, which is the house where she wrote the book and where the book is set. Um, as she talks about uh, these girls growing up and little women, she really was kind of growing up as uh, as a teenager and a 20-something-year-old. And so uh, I work there. It's a real house. And we walk around and we show people things. And over 80% of what's in the house really belong to the family. And so that story feels very tied to my own just because I'm in her house all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm dusting Louisa's bedroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they walk through grief in their own in their own way as a family as well. Yeah, well, you know, they were kind of, they were in what we call in American history, right before the Reconstruction was this little thing called the Civil War. And uh, so the Civil War in the 1860s happens. And during that time period, um, there was a lot going on culturally. There was a lot of unrest. There was a lot of loss, people going off to war, not coming back. But then within their own family, we have the story of Elizabeth or Beth in the story who gets very, very sick. And then she died when she was 22 years old um, of complications from scarlet fever and is the most like her character in the book. So in some ways, Little Women was also sort of memorializing Beth and saying, this is what we've lost. And I think that it was really Beth's story that makes a lot of people love that that book because they're like oh we all have a Beth yeah everybody knows someone they lost too early and so uh Louisa wrote that story as a way of saying hey we're grieving and I think that's really really what resonates with people oh it's so good you know you you spoke earlier about when you and Jill met um you tell in the book how y'all met like in the laundry in the laundry room at the mm-hmm. dorms and you guys are doing what every college girl is doing you're doing your laundry you meet you talk about this kind of ordinary life mm-hmm. and um about how so many of us are kind of looking for and values this somatic life we want the big we want the bold yes. we want the extra we want all the things um but there's just this beauty to this normal life. Mm-hmm. And you even just mentioned it with Louisa and what she was writing about. And you, you, you quote in here, Louisa, you quote at 15, she wrote in her journal, I will do something by and by, don't care what, teach, sew, act right, anything to help the family, and I'll be rich and famous and happy before I die, see if I won't. So here, not much different than 15-year-olds today, right? Yeah. I'm gonna be rich and famous. And then you say she wanted wealth and power and to be known. But you know what she reflected on later on her life and she said had the pleasure of providing marmy with many comforts and keeping the hounds of care and debt from wearing her she sits at rest in her sunny room and that is better than any amount of fame to me and i thought about that and i thought about you and i and everyone who's listening and watching and these like normal things in our life Mm. that can sometimes feel mundane uh, pointless useless why do you think we miss out on treasuring the normal, ordinary things of life? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say part of it has to do with, there's so many different reasons. One of the main reasons um, is that we look at life as this big, epic, amazing thing. You know, you go on Instagram, you see the best of someone's life. You go on TikTok and everybody's doing a trending thing and trying to one-up each other with cleverness and things like that. And it's always, you know better, faster, stronger kind of mentality in the world around us. But I think we also treat scripture like that sometimes. We open our Bibles and we're like, okay, I know John 3.16 or I know Philippians uh, 4, you know, I I can't even remember what it is. Philippians 4.13. 4.13, there it is. Um, There are all these different passages of scripture that were like, these are the the greatest hits of Christianity, you know, And, um, and I just feel like 
that's great. It's good to know scripture. And none of those scriptures are, you know, lesser than or anything like that. However, when we only look at the greatest hits, then we only assume that God is there in these big, powerful, inspirational moments. And we forget that there are plenty of stories in the Bible that are overlooked, that are never read. You know, people kind of joke about like reading, you know, the smaller books in the Old Testament and, oh, that's too far away. That's too whatever. But what we're really doing is we're depriving ourselves of realizing that God is seen in ordinary places, in small stories, in kind of random, quirky, weird stories. And then when those things happen in our lives, we think, oh, well, this is different than the epic faith story Mm. I want. And it's like, but if we were to see, there's a story in the Old Testament where there's a young couple and they're going to end up getting married. And the first time they see each other, it says in scripture that she was like riding a camel and then she like dismounted from her camel and like went and talked to him or whatever. And in the Hebrew, it actually says like she fell off her camel. Like she dismounted like against her will. (laughs) Um, Like she fell. And I love that because how many times have we been in a high pressure situation or we see some guy that we're like okay and and you like trip or make a fool of yourself or something like that and i love that scripture leaves in little details like Mm. that that are so subtle and that are so relatable i think scripture is so relatable but when we don't um recognize it as such or familiarize ourselves with it as much then we think to ourselves well why invite jesus to Mm. the dinner table to the argument in my marriage to the way i'm parenting my kids to the situation i have at work like why relate him to that because i think he's not for this he's for only those few things that i've sort of Mm. like assigned him to you know want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language then check out the language learning program rosetta stone on desktop or as an app rosetta stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. You know, when you think about that conversation, what we're talking about now, and you take it into the scope of like grief and loss and sorrow, Mm -hmm. I'm here listening to you and I'm thinking, man, if there comes a day and it might happen when I am on my deathbed and I'm, I'm remembering my life, Mm -hmm. like I do think it's the ordinary things that are going to bring me the most joy. Yeah. I don't think it's, the fame or the books or the podcast but it's the ordinary things with the people that i love Mm -hmm. that are going to bring me the most joy something i'm really bad at that i want to be better at is remembering those things Mm -hmm. and you know emily p freeman talks about a lot about just like journaling the regular things that happen in your day so you can look back and remember them i'm really bad about that yeah and i mean i went to elizabeth elliott's funeral a few years ago which is like wow how did you get invited to that (laughs) see that's what you would think that's the right reaction because it's elizabeth elliott she was this very famous missionary and her husband was very famous famously martyred um and they made a movie about it there's books about it and she was an author and a speaker and all these things and when she died she was living in a little coastal town near new england because the seminary i went to which i lived down the street from um she had married a man who went there as well um and was a professor there and so she 
you know, she passed away and she's a local person. And so I got to go to her funeral. But what I loved about it was, you know, sure, they get up there and they talk about her tremendous faith and everything. But what I loved was that her family got up and said, you know, she did the greatest impressions of people. Uh-huh. And they just started like laughing at like the sense of humor she had and the the conversations they would have at the dinner table where she would be like mimicking her Sunday school teacher right. and like have everyone in stitches. And I just remember thinking, there it is. That's it. Like Elizabeth Elliot herself, who you said, whoa, Elizabeth Elliot's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but at the funeral, they just said, oh, man. She she really knew a, a good joke. Yeah. And I love that because I think we we overlook it. And you're so right. At the end of it all, um, what it'll really come down to is Jesus and how he met us in simple ways. And we'll probably forget some of the big things that we thought were so important. Yeah. You know, I think it's important even as we're listening to this conversation, the people who are listening, you and I is like to even realize and understand to chase those simple, ordinary things mm-hmm. like to do a better a better job of chasing the ordinary things. You have mentioned that you and Jill developed a friendship in college and then you were in her wedding and um, and then really that last nine months of her life, you guys developed an even deeper friendship. And um, I was really blown away at the conversations that you let us in on in the book. There are probably a million that are close to your heart and don't won't see the public eye. But the conversations that you did let us in on so many times, I just thought, what a friend you were to her, for her to call and you just like, I don't know what to say, so let's just like recount Bible stories Hmm. and let's just recount the faithfulness of God and let me just be here for you. You talk here about how important it is for have friendships that allow us to be in the midst of those who have mourned with Christian hope. Can you talk to me about some of the friendships that you have even developed over the last couple of years where they have helped you walk through this different stages of grief in your own life? Yeah, I mean, the first person that comes to mind, and I think she was on the show recently, is Clarissa Mall, who is a widow and lives 10 minutes from me. Um, oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, it's so fun. She was really excited that I was coming down here. She says hi. So if you guys want to hear her show, which I highly recommend mm-hmm. i can still remember something she said to me i was sitting right over there in the corner and i mean i remember that conversation it was episode 427 if you guys yeah. want to go look for it she's she's phenomenal um so clarissa is someone who's experienced lots her husband died um july 19th 2019 in a hiking accident and i remember hearing about it in the town um someone was oh there's this local mom and you know this is what she's experienced and i remember saying wow like if they need anything you know like meals whatever like let me know and i'm just thinking this poor human um and then by the lord's grace we ended up connecting and got coffee right after jill died actually that was like one of our first conversations and i think having someone who's been through like death and and not even necessarily in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. She lost a spouse, right. which is so much more intimate um, than the loss of a friend. And yet, like so many of our shared experiences are similar. Um, yesterday, when I was sitting on the plane with this gal, I sent a text to Clarissa and I said, this is who I'm sitting next to. And she immediately was like, I'm so sorry. And like, how are you feeling? Because she knew that it was taking everything in me because it was to not just burst into tears um, and want to say everything and nothing to this woman. Like Mm. there's so much going on in my head and my heart. And so someone who knows that deeply, I think, is Clarissa. And I think our friendship has been so rich because we know each other's stories enough 
Um, they went on a road trip recently and, you know, her husband died on a road trip. They were vacationing with their family. And so I just showed up that morning uh, that they were leaving and and just wanted to like, hey, guys, like just want to send you off. And these are the things we'll do when you get back and kind of just like, let's talk about it and let's be there for each other. And so I think in highs and lows, it's been sweet to have a friendship like that and to have someone who not just has experienced things. Um, but also like who knows the Lord and mm-hmm. has experienced his faithfulness and can t- continue, you know, we can iron sharpen iron, you know, there yeah. and, and we can walk through that together. And so I think the way I see friendships is different. I just went, um, last month actually to surprise my parents and my family out in California because over the pandemic, my dad and I would have conversations and I realized how much I just want to enjoy my parents, Mm. you know, like I want to enjoy them right now while we can go and do things. And I have so many friends in that different season of life where that's not an option. Um, And so I think that because I've walked through these years, I think, wow, like ordinary really is precious. Mm -hmm. And so I just like got to show up and surprise them. And it was really sweet to be with my family in an unexpected way, but to just soak them in. I feel like that's the thing I keep coming back to is the opportunity we have to just like, what a tremendous honor it is to befriend and to have friends and to just be with one another. We Mm. often take it for granted and it's assumed, you know, I can't get back to someone in a text and I'm like, oh, I'll text them later. And and that's normal. Um, But also it's made me pause a little bit Mm. and say, wow, what a gift. Like I sometimes still text Jill's phone um, during like milestone moments just as a way of my own grief. And one day someone's going to respond and be like, hello, who is this? Um, because they have that number. But I think about, man, I wish I could I could text her. Mm-hmm. I wish that I could be in contact. And so I try to treat relationships like an honor mm-hmm. and not um, some sort of obligation or some sort of given because they're just not. Yeah. You know, that makes me want to ask you, a lot of people wonder, like, I don't know what to do when Mm. I have a friend who's walking through grief, whether that be a friend who lost a spouse, a friend who had a miscarriage, a friend whose best friend from college died, whatever it may be, you write in your book, you say, I'm sure you've had someone walk through a season of want and not known what to say to them. So I'd like to spell it out for you. You said, put, I put it in all caps. You you were nice, so you put all caps. (laughs) You said, put on your dang boots and go to them. Yeah. And what is it like for us to become the body around someone i mean you said put on your dang boots and go to them that can feel scary that can feel like i'm going to say the wrong thing i i don't understand what they're going for what if they don't want me to show up like mm-hmm. I, wh- what is the thing for us to do as fellow believers to wrap our arms around someone who's just gone through something really tragic yeah i mean as human beings we typically do not underthink like we, we overthink, overthink. Yeah. <laughs> we overthink everything. What if this happens? What if that happens? And I think sometimes it's just building relationships where you can say exactly what's going on. And there is reception there that it's not about me making this person feel better. I had that thought yesterday um, where with I was the like woman on the plane, with the woman on the plane. I was like, what can I do? How can I help? What should I say? What should I not say? And and I when I was texting Clarissa and I said to her, I said, you know, I'm realizing the I can't give her anything. Right. And I can't do or say anything that's going to change the situation she's in and I think I can just give her presence and ask questions and that's about it and I think we want so badly to help which is a good thing we want to be helpful friends but sometimes it's recognizing okay I'm probably going to get this wrong at some point and even saying to them hey I don't really know what to say here. I don't know what to do. What would, you know, would this be helpful? Would that be helpful? I think sometimes when we put it on them, it can be a problem. Uh-huh. When it's like, Jamie, you're having a hard time. What can I do? You're, yeah. you're not going to know. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. But if I was to say, hey, Jamie, like, 
you're having a hard time. Um, can I bring you dinner on Tuesday or Wednesday and like give you something really specific to hold on to? I think that offers something that is tangible, that is easy. Um, after Jill passed away, my I had friends text me like, hey, do you have a hotel to stay at when you go to the memorial service? Can my husband's, you know, like he had points from his business and whatever, like, can we help you with that? Or can I help you with a rental car? Can I buy you dinner? Um, and there are sort of these ways that people can just show up in tangible ways. And then I think the big thing is like, don't forget them two weeks out, three weeks out four years out like remember anniversaries all those things because that person is living in their mind in their situation all the time sometimes they need to process it sometimes they need to be taken out of it and so I've had conversations with friends where I'm like do you want to talk about it or should we talk about something else um what would be the most beneficial in that mm -hmm. way and and I definitely got it wrong I think about even with Jill like there were times that I was asking her questions about how she was feeling and she was like I don't want to talk about it. Like, I'm sick of talking about how sick I feel. And I was like, okay. And I felt bad. And part of me, I will say this, part of me in my own brain that's just not adjusted to that conversation was like, oh man, now I feel bad and I feel this way. And it's like, finally I was like, Melissa, like, okay, but like, it's not your thing. Yeah. Like you, you need to help her with whatever she wants. And, and one of the things that I say sometimes um, when I'm like talking to people specifically about branding, but I feel like it's true in life uh -huh. is like, we want to, um, you want to like be to that person what they need you to be, not what you want them to need you to be. Okay, expand on that a little bit. So what I mean is I could say like, and then I brought Jamie dinner and then I felt like I did my part, but you could have 20 meals in your fridge right. and you're like, I'm sick of it. So I want to help you in this season that we've you know made up of Jamie's having a hard time. Like I want to be able to say, I want to help her and do what's actually helpful for her, not what I want to be helpful right. to her. Right, that's so good. Because it could be that what's helpful to you is like, can you go take my car to get washed? Yep. Or can you go and like pick up my kids at school and it's not as like interesting or as like wow I did yeah. this thing uh -huh. but like sometimes that's exactly what they need and I think doing that then allows them to ask for help later and yep. it builds trust and so saying hey I'm here for you I'm not just here for what I want you to want me for yeah. <laughs> um, definitely helps build actual trust and and I think in that moment when I said hey Jill here's a question and she was like no shut it down there was freedom for her to do that because we had established, I don't think Jill doesn't love me anymore. I don't think we're not friends anymore. But it was like, ooh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I didn't handle that well. Yeah. And I think that comes from like just trust within relationships as yeah. well. Because I want a friend who I can say, I don't need any meals. Mm -hmm. And for them to say, okay, what do you need? And for me to say like, I've got these three prescriptions that I cannot leave because I'm so sick. Can you go get them? Yes. And then be like, yeah, that sounds great. And for there to be trust so that I have the ability to tell them what I really need mm -hmm. and them have the ability to say, okay, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. And it goes down to like ordinary things too, not just those in intense grief. I mean, for 15 months, I didn't have a job, which I talk about in the book. Like there was that season. There's like doubting, like, what is my identity, my calling? Like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Like those major sort of questions were all happening at the same time. And then the pandemic starts and I'm alone for like months which is just always a bad experience in your mind as we all know yeah. and so I think that one of the things that's been helpful um, recently was I was talking to my friend Clay he helps me with my AC units 
Because one time when I was grieving, I dropped an AC unit out my window onto the asphalt two stories below. Okay. Um, so, oops. Uh, luckily, no one was like walking by at that moment. Yep. But, you know, we make a lot of decisions we shouldn't when we're struggling. And I was just like so stressed and grieving. But also like as a single woman, like AC units are heavy. And in New England, you have to install them in your windows. You only have window units, no AC. And so <laughs> I think it's one of those things where he just knows now. Mm. So like I'll call him, you know, my first summer I call, hey, Clay, would you help me with this? And he's like, yes. And then I get a text message like pretty faithfully every April, like, hey, when do you want to put him in? And he just reaches out to me and because he, mm. he knows that's a need I have. And so it's like to continue to check in and to be consistent means that you're not just doing something in a way that it's like, okay, checked that box. Now they're fine. Yeah. But it's saying, hey, you still might not be fine or you still might need something in general um, that isn't super like emergent, but it is really helpful because um, as friends, we should just like help each other. And we forget that until we're in crisis. I love it. And I love that you too just kind of mentioned like grieving is not just the death of someone. Like we grieve so many things in our lifetime mm -hmm. um, that sometimes we don't acknowledge that we need to grieve or that we are grieving. Mm -hmm. A job loss, um, a death of a dream, um, a really just maybe death of weekend that we thought was going to be like the pinnacle of our September and it didn't happen and yeah. we could grieve that. Um, I also think it's, we've said this so many times on the show, but I think it's worth saying again and again and again it's to remember those dates you just like out as if it was your birthday like said when uh clarissa's husband passed away mm -hmm. you remember uh, well, that you know what's funny is it is my birthday oh <laughs> that is the most <laughs> random thing ever that is also, your birthday fun fact i mean i would like i do remember certain dates but that one in, in particular was my 30th birthday it Isn't is that your, crazy? It is your birthday. Yeah. But I write them down on my calendar because yes. I do not remember things yep. like that. Um, I have two friends who have, you know, lost their dad both in the month of June. And there they are. And so I can mm -hmm. text them every June. Yeah. I remember when that is. I have some other friends that had some the most like terrible thing happened in their family one time and I remember that date and I send their kids cookies yeah now I should send the chocolate chip cookies from Boston but That's I right. send them cookies just to say like hey I remember you and I see you mm -hmm. you know and it's so so very important mm. you talk in here and you say that um our wounding from our lot our losses mark us how are you marked from what you've been through hmm well I mean I feel like there are a lot of little things. Something happened this last week that I was like, oof, I want to reach out to that person who's dead. And I can't. Mm. And then there's a sadness that happens there. I think it's marked me in the way I interact with other people, like this gal on the plane. It's marked me in the way that I see people walking through grief of their own because just, you know, just the other day, it feels like, you know, I was walking through that. And, and it's easy when we're not in a season of loss to say, oh, well, that doesn't exist in the world anymore. But mm -hmm. it does. Like, we all know somebody who is going through it right now. And so the way that I think it's marked me is it's helped me to focus. It's trite to say this, but like help me to focus on eternity a bit and to say, what is the what is the big picture? And so recently somebody, um, their father passed away. Um, and before that, there was someone whose child passed away. And when I talk about them, there is this sense of like, oh, and now they're all together, mm -hmm. right? Like now, like this, this father who is elderly and this child who's three days old and we have Jill who's 28 and all of them are together. Like what an amazing reality that we forget exists. And so sometimes the most comforting thing to me when I experience a loss of a person, um, especially is, is to say, wow, like 
I love Jesus and Jesus is with me and this person is with Jesus. And in some weird way, like we are all connected and it's this beautiful image of like, thank God this is not it. Yeah. Like, thank God that there is an eternity, that there is an opportunity to see that person. Just this morning, my book marketing manager at Good Book Company, uh, she just said, you know, like, have fun with Jamie today. And she's awesome. And I said, thanks so much. And I said, you know, I'm just I'm feeling a lot of feels about it. And she responded and said, like, you know, she was like, a good cry is sometimes really good. And I can't wait to meet Jill one day. And I loved that I read that and was like, yeah, because you will. And so there is this hope that we have as believers. And I, I would say to those who feel like it's a question mark if they'll see them again or what we don't know certain things about eternity and the world around us. The thing I keep thinking is like, but you know what? Like the Lord is kind and he shows us as we walk through grief that he is near, um, that he is so tender toward us. And it's like, and so we just show up and hope for the best and say, Lord, like, I know that your plans are better, that his make more sense, that he says, get on the eight o'clock flight, you know, that, that he knows where I'm supposed to be. And I think there's a level of trust that I didn't have with him before that now I say, oh, yeah, like, he's going to make the right call. Um, and and that makes me sleep a little easier, though, admittedly, my smoke detectors sometimes go off in the middle of the night. And I don't love that. But <laughs> metaphorically of course i think there are times that i can have i can breathe a little deeper than i did before um and and i think at one point i say this in the book but it's true like the the idea that keeps coming through my head is like lord like you lead us to a better net end not a bitter end mm. and that in and of itself is a gift in this world that says what's next is there any hope like wow what a gift to be able to say yeah and we get to experience it in part right now yeah. and in full later on yeah you know i'm I'm constantly thinking about our listeners who are chatting and I know that there are a lot of people who are listening who are maybe in my boat where we haven't walked through this a tremendous loss um, recently in our life. And so this conversation is just this great big reminder and encouragement to to find the ordinary, to look for the ordinary, to cherish your friends, to to really walk beside each other and love each other well. That's That's kind of what I'm feeling. And then there's others who are listening and they are like you write in here you said maybe they have been through a great loss and they are in this space and you write this about them a peeking out behind closed shutters trying to decide if it's safe to come out mm. and i feel that person like i don't know why i feel like i'm gonna cry but i think about that person of just going like i can't do this and like i don't want to come out like this life has been too hard mm -hmm. this world has shown me nothing but heartache and there are so many people who are listening right now and so I want to ask you to do something kind of weird. I want okay. you to read some of your words. Oh, wow. Okay. So I feel like just everything that I kind of <laughs> did here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I want you to speak to that person who literally is kind of has their hand over their eyes and mm -hmm. thinking, I don't know if I want to come out anymore. I don't know if yeah. it's safe to come out. And you wrote these words towards the end of your book. And I think that they are just for this person. Wow. Well, thanks. This is what I desperately want you to know. You are, right now, in the best possible position to be loved by God. It doesn't matter what you have or what you had, what you gained or what you lost. It doesn't matter what triumphs of profession or moments of victory preceded this. And it doesn't matter what's coming down the road either. All we have is this one hilarious, ordinary, heartbreaking, very human life. He doesn't accept us on the basis of anything other than what we are, and his kindness is not being withheld, but it's sometimes obstructed by the fog that surrounds us in seasons of devastation and long bouts of sorrow. 
The world we live in is just as broken now as it was in the 1800s after extensive loss and heartache and maybe even deconstruction. It can seem as though our own civil war has been raged, but maybe there is a moment coming for each of us that points to reconstruction. I mean, it just, I feel like sometimes I just want to grab those people that, first of all, thank you for listening because you probably read this topic and just like wanted to skip this episode. So if you've made it this far, well done. Um, But I think that's the thing I think of is like, I just want to grab them by the face and just be like, hey, hey, like it's, I've been there. Like I have used, there are words that are not in this book that are swear words uh, because I have been in that place with the Lord of like, you know what? If you don't show up in the way I want you to show up, I'm out. Like I'm tired of saying like, God is good all the time when I feel like it is not good and it is hard and I'm tired of saying get out of bed because it might get better tomorrow. Um, I need it to be okay now. And even if it's not fine, it can still be well. And I think there's a big difference in the way that we come to our lives when we're grieving and the Lord meets us in it, right? He meets us in the dust. He meets us in the mess. And I needed in that season to know that if I don't have a job and I'm single and I'm alone and I'm grieving and like all these insecurities are happening, like, am I still loved by God? And is he still okay with this? And there's actually this song by Beth Bernard who wrote the foreword, who is just like one of the greatest human gifts to me in the last year and she has this song where she says like i have to reconcile that you still want to be with me when i'm like this Mm. right it's this idea of he still wants to be near to us and he's just like there it is like let's hang out like he doesn't Mm. want us to be made up he doesn't want us to be in a place where like everything is fine like he wants us to come to the crap with the crap show and be like this is all i have and he's like great like i'm so glad like when you send that text and you're like what can i bring to dinner and they're like oh like just yourself and you're like yeah right (laughs) like i'm bringing something like he truly does just want us to bring ourselves Mm. and i think that that is just unbelievable um but it means that we can lose everything and we can have totally empty hands and it's enough. And it actually reminds me of, and I didn't mention this um, in the book, but like this scene in Little Women where Joe and the professor finally end up together. It's a chapter called Under the Umbrella. And uh, and he's telling her like, I don't have anything to offer you. Like I'm poor. Like if you marry me, it's not gonna go well for you like financially. And he says, you know, my hands are empty. And then she takes her hands And she puts them in his and she says they're not empty. And I think that that's what the Lord does in some way when we have our hands and we say, I got nothing. Mm. I got words that aren't friendly. I'm really terrible to be around. And he's just like, that's it. That's who I want. Yeah. Melissa, I am really grateful for you um, pouring your heart out into this book. And I think it's going to be... um, kind of like this like warm blanket for so many people who mm. read it who just feel like man I've gone through so much is there anyone else that understands and not only are you coming to the table saying hey I understand you're bringing us along this journey um, and pointing us all the way back to the 1800s uh, might as well 1800s yeah 1800s, yeah, 1800s. Um, but more importantly than that the reason I wanted you to read that last part of your book is because you point us the whole time to a God who really says I am here for you even if it feels scary like yeah. I am here for you so Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, 
well, I'm glad to be here and to get to just share these stories. It's it's kind of wild. And I was te- texting you about this the other day where I was like, this feels weird um, because in some ways it's just it's regular life. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, well, shoot, like if I can cheer others toward looking for Jesus in the middle of it, you know, yesterday when I walked away from this gal, um, I handed her, I have this little wooden holding cross, um, which is just kind of like something to play with with your hands, sort of, but it's like a little cross and it's kind of a funky shape. So it sort of fits between your fingers because a cross often has like right angles. It's like kind of, you know, hard to grab. Um, but I have this holding cross that I take with me on planes when there's turbulence or stressful situations or when, you know, when I was walking through job loss, when I was walking through losing friends, like things like that. And um, at the end of the trip, you know, I handed it to her and I was like, I want you to have this. And, and she was like, oh, like she was very caught off guard. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. Like I was like, it is worn in. It is ready for you. Uh, And, and I gave it to her and I just have this image in my mind of walking out of the airport and seeing her up ahead. And she just like had it in her hand. And it feels like Mm. that is it. Like we're just out here handing each other the cross and saying, I want you to have this and I don't know if I'm going to get to talk to you again and I don't know what's going to happen in your story or in my story or anyone else's but like I gave you the cross and I know that that's all I can do um and I know it'll be enough we're just out here handing people the cross yeah we have uh something that we've always done on the show is ask what they're reading and what they're loving okay so you ready for that as ready as I can be as ready as you can be now I want to tell you for the last two episodes we've had something new in the show and I think people have mm. realized it but you're the first person that gets to hear it live in person before we do the interview, before I ask you the question. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here it is. This is brand new. Ready? Jamie wants to know. Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. <laughs> I have a jingle. That's cool. And I love that it starts with like, Jamie wants to know. It's Jamie like, wants to know. And everyone else, but Jamie wants to know. Te- you're going to text me tomorrow. You'll be singing that in your head. I know it. 100%. It, you know, it'll take the place of that corn song that's going around. Oh, what is that? The corn song. Ev- the people that are listening to this, I'm sorry. I just put it back in your head. It's a little boy talking about how much he loves to eat corn. I've and seen that and I don't it get it. Song. I'll explain it after. I thought you were talking about the corn, uh, the song that I make Story listen to, country music. She sang it on that show a couple weeks ago. Corn is a good thing. Corn makes corn. Uh, rain makes corn. <laughs> corn makes whiskey. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's exciting. Uh, no, but this is where I want to know what you're reading. So, what are you reading these days? Ooh, good question. So, <laughs> this is about to be. People are like, "Is she crazy?" So, I'm reading the Journal of Ellen Tucker Emerson. Um, it sounds like a really cool fiction book, but it's really the journal of Ellen Tucker Emerson, who was Ralph Waldo Emerson's daughter. Okay, and he was a famous philosopher um, and had this daughter who had a lot of paper and a lot of ink and because they were pretty well off and so she just wrote about everything in her life about going over to orchard house and hanging out with them because they were friends and you know talking about cats with anna slash meg and i'm like this is so weird and she like regularly writes home from school and uh she's at a boarding school and she's regularly like can you please send me a dollar and it makes me laugh every time because it's like there's a lot more money back then um but it's just like some things never change so but i've been I was reading gonna say, this sounds just like every teenager now <laughs> exactly i need money now it's like, can you Venmo me some money yeah so i'm reading this historic journal because it just it it kind of anchors me and like nothing's changed um so that's been a big win okay. um i've really really enjoyed that and then 
I just picked up a book on the history of home economics. Oh. That I haven't started yet. Um, but I'm really excited to dig into it. As in like home economics in general or like the class people like, take? Yeah, like the class people take and how like the things in the home became a science that you could study and how it moved from in women's kitchens to like becoming their careers and and influencing the food industry and all these different places that like the home influenced because of home economics wow yeah you want a fun fact yeah uh when i was in eighth grade i was home economics student of the year no way yeah which is very ironic that i don't cook (laughs) or clean or have a sewing machine or own an ironing board or any of those things that like home economics would build into Uh people was there like something you made or did that yeah we made the little pillows i can't remember mine was but you know it's like you make the pillow jamie killed it with the pillow i must have done a really good job with that pillow (laughs) which now uh like i couldn't sew a button on if Mm -hmm. you made me but you did in eighth grade i did in eighth grade that's right. People change. Okay, two things. Number one, um, we're going to have to let people know about our book club. <laughs> yes, seriously. I'm in. I'm Little in. Women Book Club. Uh, but I want to know what are what's fun and exciting in your world right now? Ooh, fun and exciting in my world right now. Well, it's birthday month this month and next month for my for a number of my nieces and nephew. So okay. that's very exciting. There's a lot of birthdays over Zoom. There's a lot of... I did some interviews with them recently. Okay. I learned that... The four-year-old is not easy to live with. She doesn't clean up after herself, says the seven-year-old. Okay, not surprising. So, but. so that's been something fun. It's just like watching my nieces and nephew grow up um, and getting to do that. The other thing that's exciting is we have Cheer Her On weekend coming up. Tell us about it. Um, so Cheer Her On, the podcast, has this weekend once a year. Um, we get women together. Sorry, guys. And we go to New England and you you know grab a plane ticket, come on out. And for two days, we're going to take you around. Uh, we go to Orchard House, of course. So we'll tour Orchard House. We're going to go to uh, America's Oldest Farm. We're going to eat good New England things. We're going to take you to an antique store that I talk about clam a lot. Clam chowder, is that on the list? The clam chowder can be on the list. I yeah, love absolutely. New England clam chowder. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. And so so we kind of take them to these iconic places, but this year we're focusing on the idea of what cannot be lost and how to learn to celebrate after loss. Mm. And so it's like, hey, I don't know what you've lost. It could just be like your wallet. Like, I don't care, yeah. but like, come and We've we're going to talk about things. it. I mean, and yes, yeah. and you make new friends, which is fun. So it's a pretty small crowd, but it's fun. And then this year's guest, we do a live podcast. This year's guest is Nicole Zasowski. Love her. Who, yeah, she wrote a book called What If It's Wonderful? Um, so she's going to drive Such up a from good Connecticut. Yeah. She's another New Englander. Yeah. And and we're going to do that. So that's October 15th and 16th. So hopefully when this airs, there's a few tickets left. And where do they um, go to get tickets? You can just go to cheerheron.com and you'll see Cheer Her On Weekend at the top. Perfect. And uh, it's so fun. We'll put it in the show notes. And um, I definitely am like, uh, can you let me know about 2023? Uh-huh, because uh-huh. that sounds so much fun. Uh, but you also have a podcast series coming up. And people who are listening to us now, they love listening to podcasts. And you're going to do a series on your book. And so talk to mm-hmm. us about that because this comes out on the 14th. I think you will have started that on the 12th maybe. Yes. So so the 12th is our first episode. And if you're listening to this on the 14th or after, we're actually extending, big announcement, we're extending how long um, you can do this. So if you pre-order the book and then you go to thegoodbook.com, which we'll put in the notes, but you go to thegoodbook.com slash not hyphen lost, you'll find that uh, you can actually download a free full copy of the ebook. So the minute you pre-order, you get the book, which is wow, pretty cool. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so we're going to do that. And each week we're talking to different guests and we're talking about one chapter at a time. So you'll read a chapter uh, and then we'll talk about it starting on September 12th. So um, that's something I'm excited about. We have a lot of guests that are just going to 
bring like Beth Bernard is kicking us off or kicked us off I guess if you're listening to this the 14th yeah um, and she's just one of my favorite people so we talk about what do we do when we're in loss we have Grace Cho we have Shannon Martin um, Felicia Masonheimer and Vivian Mabuni and a bunch of other gals that are coming to just talk to us about their experience of loss but then kind of tie it back into the book and just read the book together so That's that'll so run fun. for nine weeks which I'm excited about That's so fun okay you guys we'll put all of these notes in all of these links in the show notes because when you said something something hyphen something i lost you so we're going to put all of these in the show notes yes you can find it um melissa thank you so much uh for your time today thanks for coming down to austin texas it's fun you know i'm here for the tacos and jamie right, i was ivy. gonna say <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt i'm here for the tacos and jamie ivy i would oh, never 100%. make that to a t-shirt by the way first of all <laughs> after i said that out of my mouth i was like uh no that's right that's right but i'm here for the tacos that's a cute shirt oh yeah 100%. Tacos Topo Chico. There are so many things that don't exist in the northern states. No so Topo Chico? No, you can find it for like $9 at Whole Foods. Okay. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. But around here, it's just like. And you took a Topo Chico out of my fridge the minute you got here. I saw 100%. you. I love it. I love it. I'm here for you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive producer, Jamie Ivy. The show is produced by Lindsay Sweeney and edited by Angie Elkins. Art by Jen Jet Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham. And I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.